And welcome to American Prestige. I'm Danny Bessner, here as always with my friend and comrade Derek Davison. And we're very excited to welcome to the podcast Denise N. Rawl. Denise is an adjunct research fellow at Southern Cross University, Australia. And we invited her uh, on the podcast to discuss her book, but really more broadly, this idea of, of fashion, women, and power. So, Denise, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So um, I'm going to start with just a broad question because this is the first time we've talked about fashion explicitly on the podcast and fashion and international politics. So could you just tell us like why fashion? Why, why do we need to understand fashion and truly understand international relations and international politics? Well, that's really good. So uh, a long time ago, uh, Roland Barthes, the famous French philosopher, he said, life is a competition in which your clothes either win or lose for you. Now, today, I don't think that's such a thing. Maybe the Kardashians are winning, maybe not. But if we look at women in politics and what they wear every day, first of all, politics is the battlefield in which your fashions can either win or lose. And there's been some huge losers and there's been some big winners. So I'll just add, as a fashion academic, I'm not interested in brands, but I'm very interested in branding. So I believe you had some points on that later, and that I will definitely address that as the podcast goes on. For maybe people who don't know the history, is fashion a thing in the 1300s, or is this only something that we could talk about in modernity? And when does fashion arise as an object that can be investigated? Well, I mean, you could go back to the Egyptians. And uh, I'll, I'll talk mostly in the Western genre until we get into the actual book. You could go back to the Egyptians. You could go back to the Romans. That's what's called um, sartorial governance. So I can just speak quickly to the Romans. You could only wear a certain color of purple if you were at a certain rank in society. And it was actually closely monitored. I mean, certainly in a capital like Rome. But interestingly enough, if you paid more, if you paid a fine, you could wear the brighter purple. But it was, it was monitored. It was absolutely part of the social, shall I say, fabric that uh, people watched your clothing. As far as branding, I'll get onto that later. But if you move to the Victorians, well, it was it was everywhere. E even earlier, there were lace taxes in Italy. There were all kinds of uh, prohibitions on what you could wear and what you couldn't wear. And again, you could sometimes get away with it if you paid a fine. <laughs> <laughs> to the, to the local government, so they made a they made a bit of cash on the side, and I'm thinking particularly in um, maybe in Lombardy and those early little fiefdoms in Italy, you paid a tax directly to the local government. 
uh, women did. Men weren't bothered. So we'll go into more of that later. <laughs> well, I, I, it's funny that I actually would love to talk um, about that. What is a useful way to think about the differences theoretically? So also our podcast listeners are the most sophisticated people on earth. So we could talk theory to no. think theoretically about men's fashion and women's fashion. What is a useful way to understand these interlocking, but nevertheless separate um, spheres? And I'm sure we could even talk more about trans fashion today, but let's leave that to the end. Let, let's stick yeah. with that.